Saturday morning breakfast show. Saturday morning breakfast show. All right, that's it. We say it's a Saturday breakfast show right here on Lagos Talks 913. My name is Olua Kayade. I'm your host for today. Thank you for being a part of this program. The program, you know, starts at 6 a.m. That is uh, from 6 a.m. And uh, sticking us all through the way till midday. And uh, we're expecting to have a great show. It's time for the conversation. And our guest is a name that is uh, associated to this program, a name that you already if you're a listener of this program, it's a name you already uh, used to. You can identify with. That is Mr. Tolulokwe Adiremi. And uh, probably I've just told him that if after a year or two, S-A-N is not included in his name, we on our own, we might just give him S-A-N. I hope I won't be charged for content. Not at all. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to the show. Morning, Coyote. Morning, Nigerians. Great, great. Thank you for being here this day. Uh, once again, we've called on you and uh, you've obliged us. So, um, how have you been? Well, I am well. Let's just, let's just put it mildly. Summarily. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, You're well. All I right. am well. Okay. The way every other Nigerian is well. Is well. Ah, so you're not different from every other no, Nigerian. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You <laughs> you're not in the same problems. Yeah, okay. And uh, we're, we're hoping for the best altogether. All looking forward to 2023. Yeah, that's it. I know we're, we're here to discuss our arbitration and the likes, but since I have you here, I'm just looking at this. Um, is Should we say the the courts have suddenly found their, sharpened their teeth and they're no longer a, well, before I'm charged for contempt, they no longer appear to be a, a backwards and a bite. First was the EFCC chairman, now the IGP, being charged contempt of courts, uh, sent. What is happening in Nigeria uh, judicial system? Well, I think um, the judicial system is only living up to expectation. Mm. And like in every other organization, yeah. uh, the conduct or the attitude of the subjects is a reflection of who the leader is. Uh, and so don't forget, there's a new sheriff in town. Mm. Uh, there's a new chief justice of Nigeria. There's a uh, Lord Justice Lukayo Dariwola. Oh, yes. He's uh, a fearless man, uh, not a man of many words, but a man of many actions. Uh, and so once you see that who your leader is, uh, is one that is fearless, then you will also uh, have the confidence to dispense justice without fear. Uh, and or without favor. But when you have a leader who you don't know whether he's compromised or is not compromised, uh, then you will want to just guard and guide yourself uh, appropriately. So I think the, the judiciary is, uh, and Nigerians should expect more mm. of what has happened in recent times. Um, 2023 is, is, is one other or another period where we should all look forward to. Uh, many unprecedented things will happen. Many things that uh, may have gone the other way around will go uh, in another way. Okay. We will now see justice being dispensed at its best. Mm. We hear about, uh, is it 15 chief uh, justices are currently being uh, undergoing, is it prosecution or is it probe or something like that? That some of them are being, they, they're being uh, sanctioned or cautioned by the CJ? Well, I, I think that, that that happens constantly. I mean, okay. it's, it's just that maybe this time around uh, it's just been pronounced. So the NJC is the, the highest decision-making body of uh, the judiciary. Yes. And that is where judges and justices, you know, are uh, disciplined. Mm. Uh, and so th that happens periodically. It's not new. Okay. Uh, but it's probably come to fore now, again, because of uh, who the Chief Justice of Nigeria is. I mean, look at what happened to him in uh, in River State recently where uh, your colleagues misquoted him mm. to have said that he was in support of the G... Uh, for the first time, I've not, I've not had that in, in many years, the Supreme Court issued a statement to say that, no, that was not what happened. Mm. Uh, his lordship was quoted out of context. And, and so, really, we're all excited that, look, the dignity... Of uh, and the respect of the Nigerian judiciary is coming back. It's the third arm of government uh, and is living up to its expectations. I think the only other problem that I have is uh, the matter of protocol. And so when he's being recognized in public functions, is recognized as the fourth man in the country. I don't think that is right. He's the head of the third arm of government. He's supposed to be recognized as the third person after the 
president of the Senate. But that's a conversation for another day. Fine. Okay, all right. Um, I'm, I'm very sure even the, the House of Rep is already contesting the fact they're saying they and the Senate are co-equals. They're not uh, a lower chamber. So if you're not saying you want to elevate the Chief Justice to yes, be the third, the tr- then... The truth of the matter is it's a national assembly. Yes. And the way to look at it is that there's a chairman of the National Assembly who heads the legislative arm of government. Yeah. And what the constitution provides is three arms of government. Mm. And so there are three, you, you can't have two heads in one arm of government. Mm. So there's the president for the executive arm. Yeah. The vice president only acts when the president is not available mm. or on matters assigned to him yes. or her by the president. So the president is the head of executive. Head of the legislative arm of government can only be one person, mm. and that will be the chairman of the National Assembly. Okay. That's the Senate president. Mm. The head of the judiciary is also the chief justice of Nigeria, not the president of the Court of Appeal, mm. not the chief judges of the various high courts. Mm. So mm. I, I think it's, 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 I mean, it will probably be a waste of time and resources. If if they were going to go challenge that, mm, and all, that. Mm, all right, all right. So, well, that that's a good way to get started, and that uh, to know that uh, we are. So, I, I was going to ask you how the mood amongst the the in the judiciary and amongst the legal, uh, you know, uh, the structure in Nigeria. How you feel, lawyers, judges? Do you feel safer now that uh, the judiciary worked better than it used to, or what's that? What's the mood like? Well, I think we're happier now <clears throat> and happier in the sense that uh, uh, judges are who they call the dominus litis of their court. Mm. Uh, they are the heads of their courts. Every okay. judge is the head of his court. Uh, and now judges are living up to that expectation. Not really so much of the fact that they are being sanctioned, but because of the fact that they are able to dispense justice. And then people are accessing justice as to when they should access justice. What is interesting is people are even no, no longer concerned with access to justice, which is what I hear most people talk about. The real problem, like the VP once said, is access from justice. And mm. so when you find judges who are now bold enough to dispense justice, then access from justice becomes quicker and faster. And I think that is why most of us are excited. I am particularly excited because... Um, arbitration will now take a more prominent role. And so judges or the courts are going to more or less join us. They have been doing that before, but I think they will do more of it now. Mm. Uh, and so when you have frivolous matters that have no business being in the court, contracts or breaches of contracts where you have clearly stipulated provisions of dispute resolution being arbitration, coming to court, I mean, they, they can quickly just dispense with those kind of matters and mm. let them find their ways to, to arbitration and let's deal with the real issues that are before the court. All right, and and we'll delve into arbitration real, uh, very soon, but I, okay, I've watched a lot of um, um, legal series such that at the point I started feeling like a lawyer from the suits to bull to, I mean, all of them, all of them. There's so many of them. Now, I realized that in the U.S., there are times when even before you start process, uh, prosecuting a case, you have this airing with the judge. He listens to both sides and sees if that case is worth coming to court at all. And some cases just dismisses it that this is not worth it. Go and do your paperwork well and, and all that. But... In our system, you see so many cases come to court and they are, I mean, very, they are challenged on technical grounds. Um, does a system allow a case where you could meet the judge and it would not be perceived as, ah, want to look very bad, they've gone to settle behind and, and tell them this case is not a well-rounded case, go and deal with it and come back, or is we're just removing it? Does our system allow that? Yes, so uh, the, the rules of court and practice directions um, makes it mandatory, particularly mm. during the case management um, uh, uh, procedure, yes. that you must have satisfied or you must satisfy the court that both parties have attempted to settle and that settlement has failed. Okay, And so there must be certificate that will be issued so a court won't really sit to hear a matter 
unless that court is satisfied that both parties have attempted to settle. Even when you start hearing a case, mm. a judge who believes that, look, yeah, I know you guys have tried to settle this matter, um, will still give you an opportunity if you think there's a window for you to still consider settlement. Truth of the matter is there's a difference between justice and judgment. And so mm. judges who you know, really may not know they are tough will think their job is to dispense judgment. Now, when you dispense judgment, uh, the consequence of it is on the society because justice and judgment either way has an impact on the society. And also if the society does not feel the positive impact of your decision, then you would have failed in that endeavor. And so when you just look at the provisions of the law and just state it as a... And I give you a good example. So let's assume that I'm a judge. And um, I am sitting over a matter which affects the governor of a state, maybe such as Kano or maybe Kaduna. And I find out that, look, this this, this governor was not uh, legally voted for. And so he assumed the office wrongly. And because of that, I want to set aside um, that election. Now, I must satisfy myself as a judge that he has not or he did not tick all the boxes to become a governor. Okay. And I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible as a, so yeah. that we can all understand it. Now, yeah. if the boxes are about 10 and he's satisfied about 7, mm. the, ju- the justice of that matter is for me to keep him as governor. But if he's only satisfied 2 out of 10, mm. then I will remove him as governor. Why is that important? It's important because once I set it aside, what it means is that every action of that governor that he has taken from the assumption of office becomes null and void mm. and must also be set aside. Assuming in the course of his uh, uh, administration as governor, within the short time, yeah. he enthroned uh, an emir. Mm. It means that that emir must also be removed. Now, if you know anything about our northern brothers, they value the emirates way more than even the governor or whoever it is. Mm. And so when I deliver that kind of judgment, I create indirectly or directly more crisis in that state because of my decision. Will that be seen to be the justice of the matter or will it be seen to be the judgment judgment of that matter? Mm. My, My role is to dispense justice without fear or favor and to birth peace in the society. If the decision of a judge creates more problems in the society, then there's a problem. No matter how right that decision is. No matter how right that decision is. The essence of, you see, the court system is there to birth peace and order in the society and not to further create more crises. And that is where we have appellate courts. So a judge of a lower court may be wrong in his decisions, so if you feel that judge is wrong, before you start creating crisis in the society, you can appeal it. So when, for example, the, the IG, uh, the IGP was, um, uh, was committed to prison, yes. same for the EFCC chairman, obviously you would tell that there was some kind of unrest. And, and when, I, when I read that, I thought I was bold and audacious of that judge. Yeah. And I encourage more judges to follow that step, not to make needless points, by saying, look, I'm a judge who is sentencing. No, they must have, the judge must have given an order. And that order was for the IGP or the chairman of EFCC or, uh, or, or uh, of the Nigerian police to yeah. comply with. And if you do not comply with the order of a court, which order would you comply mm. with? So disobedience of court orders has consequences. And the consequence is that you'll be committed to prison. No matter whose ox is God, yeah. the IGP is not above the law. Of course. The chairman of ESC is not above the law. In fact, they are enforcers of the law. And so I thought to myself, now that the IGP has been committed to prison, who will arrest him? <laughs> That's a question. But in other claims, in other claims yeah. what you will find is that the moment that order is made and there is no instant appeal against that order, yeah. The management of police. So that's why you have a police, police service, service commission. commission yeah. So the moment that happens, automatically 
there are decisions being made very quickly. Mm. So maybe an assistant uh, AIG will step over. in, yeah. you know, and then maybe right there and then there are police in the court that will simply look at what is happening in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. that is th- 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 those are sane climbs. Nigeria must start to be seen to be a sane climb. And and it's good you spoke about that. One of my callers today, Chief Paul. I mean, talking about this, spoke about structure. And the question I was asking him is. Yes, we may say we have that structure in South Africa and in other parts of the world, but this structure, when we talk structure, is more about the people. Without And structure is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the ability to manage a system without fear or emotional bias and the likes. But in our climb, even amongst our family, we exhibit a lot of bias. How much more when it now comes to that level? So... Um, how can we ensure that our structures work in Nigeria such that in the case of the IGP is committed to prison and immediately that uh, directive is carried out? My simple answer is that we should go and study the United Kingdom uh, parliamentary or governance structure. Hmm. In one year alone, I think we've had about three prime ministers. <laughs> we started this year yeah. with uh, Boris Johnson, mm-hmm. then Liz Ross Liz took Ross, over, yeah. and then this gentleman from, uh, uh, what's his name, Kim Kish, something anyway, the gentleman Rush. with the Indian, yeah. um, or, Indian origin. Region. Now, look at why did Liz Ross resign? She made promises she realized she could not fulfill because of the present structure. Mm. What was the present structure? She didn't want to tax oil companies who she felt were supporting the economy. And the other parties felt, no, you are not taxing them because they are your allies, because they are your cronies. And then it became a debate. And then she realized that, look, my strategy will be, let me borrow more money, Mm. stabilize the economy. They are not borrowing money to pay salaries. Rather, they are borrowing money for capital projects, Mm -hmm. for infrastructural projects. Once I do that, I'm able to stabilize the economy. The proceeds from it, I will inject into the system yeah. and then, you know, shop our revenue base. But the other party didn't think that was necessary. And it became a bit of an issue. And she thought, look, if you will not allow me to do what I want to do, then I will have to step aside. Principle. It is no longer feasible for me to carry on here. That's yeah. it. And this gentleman who has come in, I'm sure he's going to face the same thing. If he's not able... To create that balance between the two, he will leave. Mm. That is a structured economy. In Nigeria, it appears the opposite is the case. Sometimes when we we take some decisions, uh, those decisions may be right, but maybe maybe uh, maybe carried at the wrong time. Uh, and you know, I've heard many people say, "Look, if if we didn't believe President Buhari has done very well." Um, Professor Shibajo should have resigned. That is looking at it from a structured angle. However, looking at it from a legal angle, I, I will fault that reasoning, you know, because the constitution makes it very clear the functions of the vice president. Mm-hmm. And it's only when he's not able to perform those functions that you would ask him to resign, resign yeah. not because of what his boss is doing or is not doing. Mm-hmm. So for us as a people and for us as a country, once we recognize that we have rules, we have responsibilities, and the failure to carry out those rules and responsibilities would mean there are consequences. The reason why we are where we are is because there are no consequences to our misconduct. And so once there are consequences, I mean, the, the case we're talking about of the committal to prison of the IGP yeah. and the, the chairman mm-hmm. is a clear example. And so it wasn't that the judge did not like both of them, no. I'm sure the judge had nothing to do with them. He probably may never have seen them before other than maybe watch them on television. But on the papers before the court, they were meant to have complied with an order. They didn't comply with that order. What was the consequence of non-compliance? Form 48 and 49, that's it. Commit them to prison. Mm. Now, when you commit them to prison, and this is where the rule of law comes in, when you commit them to prison, they also have a right to apply to set aside that committal. Mm. How so? Maybe the order of the court was not served on them. Hmm. It was just pronounced. It was just pronounced. And you know the way some things happen. So a judge makes a pronouncement in court. It is the sheriff, or sorry, the bailiff 
of the court that will go and serve it. Now, before they go to serve it, he's already in press. And so the man is saying, no, how can the court order me to? I haven't seen the... Same thing with Einek. So when you see some orders of court, Einek tells you, I have not received them. I can't act based on what I, well, what I read in the social mm. media. So until I receive them, and then maybe some of Azilo's uh, lawyer says, oh no, this order has been made in two days. The IG has not uh, complied with it. The chairman of EFCC has not complied with it. Goes to file, file a form 48 and 49 for coming out to prison. Maybe, I don't know. But what it tells me is that it, it appears we now understand that we have a structure mm. and that there are consequences if you do not comply with that structure. Right. I think with this, many people will sit up. Okay, so it means that uh, the people put in place to have a role to play because the judge could have... If the judge had not committed them to court, what would have been a consequence? Would have been her prerogative to say, okay, using my ju- judicial powers, I don't think we should commit him to court. Would have been uh, uh, an abuse of the system in our own case? No, let, me, let me understand that again. Okay, say that the judge, you know, he said, okay, we're committing, we're charging you for contempt. Mm. Could the judge have decided not to charge the person, the IGP or the EFCC chairman for contempt, for example, and uh, probably allowed uh, another time, maybe a week or two, to implement what they didn't implement? Would that have been a violation and abuse of the system in the case of the judge? Not at all. You see, the every under the Nigerian constitution, every citizen has a right. Mm. Um, and even though you file uh, your form 48, which is the application for committal mm. to prison, uh, you must still satisfy the court mm. that the order made by the court has not been complied with. You must satisfy the court that the order made was served on the party. Now, the judge will now exercise a discretion looking at this set of facts to now decide if the judge is not persuaded. It's just like when you apply to a court to ask the court to strike out a matter Mm. or to dismiss a matter. If I when it's striking out, judges or the courts are a bit lenient towards that sort of application. And the reason is because when a matter is struck out from the court, the party can refile that matter. Mm, okay. But when a matter is dismissed from the court, that is the end of that matter. matter okay. The only thing you can do with it is probably to go and appeal it. So when you file that sort of application, a judge will look at it very carefully and must satisfy him or herself that, look, this person, I have made an order. That order was served on this party mm. and this party has refused to carry out my order. So I believe that the learned judge would have satisfied herself mm. that the IGP or the chairman were served with her order or, and they refused to, to comply with that. And it was on that basis that she felt the, the consequence should be to commit them to prison. All right. And uh, one person, Nigerians, would have loved see being uh, uh, committed to prison for contempt of court is the attorney general. Um, because they believe Why do you say so? Because they believe that there are so many things he has gone against the um the what was this man's name? He's still in prison Dasuki. now. Yeah, there's Dasuki, but even before him, I Kano. think Dasuki's case has been in a way said that I mean there's Kano, there's yes. the Kaduna, the Sheikh. Um yes. uh, I can't remember his name, just escaped me now. I'm sure I remember that as we continue. You know, yeah. So People like him where the court has said, okay, we let them go, but that has not been complied with. In such a case, would you say the judge is being weak or lenient or exhibiting a discretion in favor of government and not in favor of the people? So judges judges do not make orders, uh, do not make committal orders so much. What that means is judges will not just sit in their courtrooms or in their chambers and say, look, I have made this order. The minister or the attorney general for justice has not complied with it mm. and therefore I'm committing him to prison. Somebody must make that application. That's okay. one. Two, um, when it comes to matters of national security and there's been this debate over whether or not matters of national security uh, trumps um, your constitutional right Mm. Uh, of liberty, of freedom okay. of um, speech, yeah. etc., freedom of association. 
Now, globally, and I think this is, if you look at the three gentlemen that you have cited their cases, yes. you will realize that the three of them, whether it's Namdekanu, whether it's the Sheikh that you so, talked yes, about, um, um, well, I won't put Dasuki in that, in that mix, yeah, and I think Dasuki's yeah. matter is... Um, so you see that there's some toga of insecurity matters or insecurity consequences mm. around them. True. And so if government raises that as an issue, that look, notwithstanding, it's not the right thing to do, I must say. And this is why sometimes the international community will frown at those things. But you see, every government is a sovereign. And as a sovereign, your first and primary objective is the interest and the security of lives and properties of your people. Yeah. And so once you see that and you raise the matter of national security, uh, then it trumps many things. As a lawyer, I disagree um, because your fundamental human right you know, trumps every other thing yeah. because it is constitutional. However, in the face of war, for example you realize that those your constitutional rights, they become suspended. Mm. Uh, mm. One very interesting example I always like to cite uh, is in the oil and gas, uh, in, the, in the Petroleum Act, which is now we have as a PIE, that when government is assigning rights or is assigning or allocating any block, mm. the Minister of Petroleum acting on behalf of government has a right to take over everything once we are in a state of war. Oh, so okay. regardless, so it's treated like a lease. So I'm giving you a lease 100% of this block. But once the government or the country goes into a state of war, mm. government can come back in and take over. And, take, and the reason is very simple. Once you go into a state of war, government needs funds to sustain the war mm. or in an area of unrest. Yes. And the only, I mean, the best form of resource, natural resource that we have yes. that generates mm -hmm. that money is the oil. Could it also be that uh, so it serves as a guide so that you don't abuse that uh, little that period of unrest and uh, mismanage and sell without declaring how much you've sold and you ripping the sell. Huh. So look at it for example, there's war say so there's war in um, there's war in uh, Kuwait mm -hmm. and then you are in Iraq and you are supplying gas to Heathrow Airport in London. If you are piping, you're, you're passing your gas from Iraq through Kuwait to uh, Ethiopia Airport, there's mm -hmm. no way you can go through because there's one in Kuwait. And so once there's a state of war, nothing, all Everything commercial activities down. becomes grounded. Mm. And so the only other thing that you are thinking of, first is war, secondly is money to sustain that war, mm -hmm. and thirdly is how to protect the lives and properties of your people. Beautiful. And I have stated these three in the particular order. So really, when you go to war, the, the, the focus of every government should be to protect the lives and properties of its citizens. Yeah. But sometimes it looks to me that that right or that obligation becomes third. Hmm. Because ego sets in. I mean, look at what's happening in Ukraine and uh, Russia. Uh, and, Russia. Mm -hmm. and I say to myself all the time, can Zelensky not fly to Russia? And sit with the and just have a chat and just have a chat. I say, look, 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 I've, I've had enough. And you're seeing Russia blow up high rises, building schools, churches, and killing people. And you're still fighting. And what are you fighting over? Whether you want to be a member of NATO or not? Come on. So mm. the lives and properties of people, as far as I'm concerned, become secondary. Secondary. Yeah. So the ego and the sovereignty of each of these countries is what they are trying to protect. Okay, great. And listeners, this is uh, Lagos Talks 91.3 FM. The program is The Conversation. It's 9.36. We have in the studio with me uh, Mr. Turilokwe Aderemi. He is a, mem he's, uh, a senior partner, right, at uh, Pagestone Gray uh, and Grace. Uh, it's a law firm. And also, until okay, so yesterday, or yesterday, or two, Wednesday, two days ago, or three days ago, rather, he became the chairman of the arbitration committee of the International uh, Law Association in Nigeria. And, uh, well, as it is a tradition, I think, uh, congratulations in order to you, and uh, welcome. You. I think this is your first interview since you became the chairman. Oh, just say yes, even if it's not. Oh, really? Is that <laughs> Yes, exactly. You know, so we tracked the one I'm going for after this would have been my first, my first right? <laughs> great, great. So now let's talk arbitration. And uh, when you hear arbitration, for a lot of people, the, the movie Arbitration by Kunle Afolayan was the first um, knowledge of that word arbitration. 
and uh, so but a lot more people still don't know arbitration is believe me if they knew they'll have opted for that rather than go through the actual long process of the court so tell us what is arbitration simply put is an alternative way of resolving your disputes at outside of traditional litigation okay um but let me also tell you why it's attractive Mm. and uh, what are the characteristics of arbitration and then what are its demerits Mm. Because this, I know these are questions that you are probably going to ask. Definitely. Me, so. <laughs> you want to know? To <laughs> up, you want to just preempt you very quickly. Uh, so, so, so before now, w- one of the attractions of arbitration is that it's um, first it gives you party autonomy, and what does that simply mean? Uh, as a party in arbitration, you are able to deci- determine and decide everything about the resolution of your dispute. Okay. And now the difference with that is in the court system, you don't have those sort of powers. So in the court system, you know, you and I are in a dispute. I file an action against you in court. That's the end of it. Mm. I don't know which judge is going to be assigned to. So when I file an action, it goes to the administrative judge in the court who assigns it to any of the judges that he or she feels can handle it. Mm. Now, because of the sensitivity and the sector-focused style of some disputes when you assign such disputes to judges who have no background uh and and i'll be bold to use an example so my late dad was a justice in the supreme court before he passed when he was in the court of appeal Mm. in lagos here the presiding justice miller justice assigned a file to him to write the lead judgment so the lead judgment is also the judgment. But, you know, in the Court of Appeal, you have three justices. Mm. So there will be uh, uh, the head judge out of the three. That head judge will be the one to write the lead judgment. Mm-hmm. It was a maritime case. I am from Ibadan. The biggest and closest, the biggest water and the closest <laughs> to water that we ever have in Ibadan is Ogupa River. <laughs> and then you bring an Ibadan man to come and write a judgment in a maritime case. Mm. He knew nothing about it. Of course, he had to reach out to one of the senior uh, maritime lawyers who gave him some books to read. He, he slept on his floor in his quarters in Ekoia for six days and night, reading through, reading through, reading through, mm. and he was able to deliver that judgment. That's the problem. And so when you, a judge who has no knowledge, and these areas are sector-specific, telecommunications, oil and gas, maritime, aviation, a lawyer who all his life has probably done charge and bill, has probably done real estate. Mm. And when I say real estate, I'm not talking of mortgages and sin. No, I'm talking of just landlord and tenancies. Yeah. And then you make him a judge or you make her a judge. He or she has no such skill. And then you now want them to deliver a judgment in a maritime matter. Obviously, they will... Now, that's not an excuse for a judge not to be industrious. Not to perform, yes. You know, you will listen to both sides and you go and do your research. But there's also the place of experience. And so without that experience, sometimes the quality of the judgment that comes out becomes suspect. Mm. And so, but in arbitration, if you and I are in a dispute regarding the terms of our contract, arbitration allows both of us mm-hmm. to determine who the arbitrators will be. And in doing so, we will say, look, what is the subject matter of this dispute? Um, Is it aviation? Let's look for an aviation expert. Mm. An aviation expert as an arbitrator does not necessarily have to be a lawyer, which is another point that I think is important. We all know arbitrators don't have to be lawyers. And this is what, you know, my association is going to be advocating going forward. You don't have to be lawyers. You don't have to be lawyers. All you need is expertise. Expertise in your area in your professional area and training on arbitration practice and procedure once you understand the two because you see arbitration is is almost a consensual type of dispute resolution when we go into arbitration the whole idea is to encourage both parties to keep in business Mm. not really to come out of arbitration and go their separate ways so don't forget Arbitration is really for commercial disputes. And so when I see some landlord and tenancy uh, uh, contract and I see arbitration clause in, in that, it's, it's nonsensical. And the reason is two. One, when you look at a landlord and tenancy case, mm. there are only two types of disputes that can come from any landlord and tenancy case. And I challenge anybody to tell me there's any other one. 
One is that the landlord wants you out of the house. The second is that you don't want to leave the house. Mm. Is either of the two. Well, what about you've dis- you've, you've like uh, destroyed some portion of my house the and I want you to repair it? No, the consequence is get out of the house. <laughs> That's the consequence. <laughs> what if you just want him to repair it and the guy is saying, no, I won't. You have some money. Contract. Uh, it okay. becomes a dispute. Mm. If you are not happy with it, please get out of my house. And if you are, you are insisting, you say, look, I'm not leaving. It's either of the two. Now, arbitrators do not have coercive powers. The sort of powers mm. that the judge who sentenced the IGP or the chairman of EFCC to prison. Yeah. Arbitrators don't have those sort of powers. So you need the powers of the court to support that kind of decision. So that's just a mind, but it's not even really a demerit because a, an arbitrator, so the courts, the home state courts, yes. supports arbitration by providing those coercive orders to fill to fill okay. the gap. Okay. So so it means that uh, whatever happens uh, in arbi- in the arbi- during arbitration, um, there's a state where the courts can come in to support? So, um, the Act under Section 34 and 35 okay. uh, provides for two things, judicial uh, intervention and mm. judicial interference. Whereas 34 provides for judicial intervention, intervention in terms of um, we're in a hearing, and I believe, I have reasonable cause to believe, yeah. That the tribunal, they are acting ultra-vires. They are acting outside of the scope of their powers. Mm-hmm. And I give you an example. Um, this doctrine of stare decisis, which is a doctrine of precedence of the law, meaning if I submit an authority to you, you must, uh, once that authority applies to this case, a judge is bound to follow that authority. Mm. The same thing applies to arbitrators as well. So I submit an authority to you, that governs a particular uh, or that supports a particular application that I have made, as a tribunal, you must follow that authority. And so you now tell me that, look, Tolu, the judge who made that pronouncement must be plainly wrong. Unless a judgment of a court is set aside, it becomes a law of the land. You Mm. have no powers as an arbitrator to tell me that a a court of record in Nigeria is wrong. Now, if that happens... I have no powers to stop you. Of mm. course, I can ask you to recuse yourself. So in one arbitration that we we told the tribunal, recuse, we gave them six days. Of course, it was a British uh, retired Supreme Court justice. So a bit of arrogance came in. Mm. And he looked at us and thought, look at this. Who, who, who are these? I mean, <laughs> if I wanted to go. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Telling me, oh, Supreme Court justice to, 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 to recuse. Well, yeah. come on. He just ignored us. And he started issuing out procedural orders. So procedural orders meaning, look, go to hell. I'm this carrying on I'm with this. Doing, yeah. So we had to go to the federal high court, explain to the judge via an expert application that, look, unless you stop this fellow, he's about to disregard a judgment of the federal high court. And then the judge stopped. So that is judicial intervention mm. under 34. Under 35, it forbids that judicial interference. So okay. a, a court cannot simply... So say, for example, there's an arbitration clause in our contract and there's a dispute. And that clause says, once there's a dispute, the first place to go is to go to arbitration. Okay. And then you rush to the court. It becomes judicial interference if the judge, having looked at the contract and seen that your first port of uh, dispute resolution platform is arbitration. Mm. So what business do you have in court? Now, you need to be experienced because if the other party also does not raise an objection Mm. and in raising an objection, he goes to file a defense, it will be deemed that he has taken a step and has lost that right. So it's it's a combination. But by and large, I think arbitration has come to stay. Mm -hmm. I think arbitration um, is really... Uh, a mechanism that even supports economic growth of any country. Mm. And so once an investor wants to come into a country, he looks at two things. What are the opportunities or returns on my investment? And then what is the dispute resolution mechanism Mm -hmm. of this country? Most of them, they opt for arbitration as opposed to uh, the court system because Mm. they don't know your laws. What they do know is the arbitration laws. Which is global. Which is, thank you. So, our Nigerian Arbitration Act 
and indeed the rules, and even Lagos arbitration laws and its rules were all modeled after the ancestral model law and rules. Mm. And so globally, any businessman who wants to do business in any country, you first get your lawyers, please look at the arbitration laws in that country. Once you are satisfied that it is in sync with the ancestral model laws, then you are happy. And one important part of it is also the enforcement of the awards. And so if such a country is not a signatory to the New York Convention mm. on Enforcement of Awards, then you have to be very careful All right. as an investor. Okay, so we'll come back to that. Let's take this short break, like one minute, and then when we come back, we get on the last lap of the program. This is Lagos Talks, Night 1.3 FM. The program is The Conversation, and my name is Uluwa Kayode. My guest is uh, Tori Lokwe Aderemi, the Chairman Arbitration Committee of the International Law Association of Nigeria, Join the conversation via WhatsApp. You have questions, you have comments, send a WhatsApp message to us on 0809-234-5913 and also uh, or tweet at us at LagosTalks913. I'll be reading your tweets and WhatsApp messages once I come back from this break because it's all about arbitration. It's all about getting you justice, particular, uh, particularly when it comes to commercial activities right here in Nigeria. Keep listening to Lagos Talks 91.3 FM. Saturday morning breakfast show. Are you raging? Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! I'm ready! We know you are, because we are at Wonderland Lagos! Feel the magic of Christmas as you visit Santa Empire and meet your favorites live! SpongeBob, Paw Patrol, and many more. Come rock around the Christmas tree as you experience a magical walk of lights. It's a wonderland of fun as there's something for everyone in the family, plus good food and drinks. So eat, drink, and have a swell time as you make it a magical December to remember. From December 10th to January 2nd, Wonderland Lagos promises to be the best Christmas experience you've ever had. So be the first one to get one. Hurry up and go to www.wonderlandlagos.com to buy your tickets now. Wonderland Lagos is brought to you by Balmoral and Octopus Marketing in partnership with CEC. Headline sponsor, Tinder Mobile. Sponsors include Maltina, Coca-Cola, Providence Bank, Visa, Meccano, and Nickelodeon. Saturday morning breakfast show. All right, so welcome back to the program. This is Lagos Talks 913, and uh, the program is uh, The Conversation. Join the conversation via WhatsApp on 0809-234-5913, 0809-234-5913, and tweet at us at Lagos Talks 913. We're talking arbitration uh, in Nigeria, and our guest is the chairman, Arbitration Committee of the International Law Association of Nigeria. Now, let's just look at uh, some of these things, uh, Mr. Tululokwe Adiremi. Let's look at some angles. Now, when it comes to Nigeria, a lot of processes, uh, unfortunately, we have to say this, there's so much copycats in our, in our structure. Uh, for people who are doing business, is it possible that there are fake arbitrators or processes? And how do you identify uh, the real one? And how do you even begin the process? Okay. So two two important questions. Mm. First is whether they are fake arbitrators. Yes. And two, how do you begin the process? Begin the process, yes. Uh, a fake arbitrator is an arbitrator who is not an arbitrator who is not trained to be one hmm. and who is uh, clearly out of knowledge and it becomes very very you know easy to know once you start so for you to become an and don't forget what i said you can be an arbitrator even if you're not a lawyer hmm. but our advocacy now is to have more known lawyers as arbitrators okay because we're seeing that lawyers are creating more problems for us in arbitration uh, um, processes Process, yeah now how do you start i think you start from when you're negotiating contract with your client. And this is a mistake most people make. Mm. Uh, and so you you look at a dispute resolution provision as a midnight clause. It's never a midnight clause. So a midnight clause is after you have negotiated every yeah, other yeah. thing, mm. the scope, the returns, the indemnities, the warranties, everything. You now say, oh, look, at midnight, just before we shake hands <laughs> to drink champagne over this contract. In case we fight. In case we fight. <laughs> Where do we go to? Where do we go to? <laughs> And they say, well, we are both drunk. You just put... And that is why sometimes you see that in, in some arbitration clauses, they end yeah. up in court. And they end up in court because they are vague, they make no sense, or they refer to things that are non-existent. Mm. So I've seen situations where 
uh, arbitration clauses which says that the president of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, Nigeria, there's nobody like that. Mm. Or you say the, 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 the chairman of the Nigerian Chartered Arbitrator, there's no, no, no organization like that. Mm. So when you do that, then it becomes a problem. So where you start from really is when you are negotiating your contract. All right. It's good you say that. Let me just come in here. Now, what you're looking at are the big contracts that we sign every time. But what about the average Nigerian on the streets who, for example, uh, you want to do an event, you've contracted me to supply something to you, and I've supplied, and you're not meeting, then suddenly I get there and there, and I tell you the event is no longer happening, and I've bought everything with my money, and you're not ready to pay even a portion of it so that you offset that. Such a person, um, how do you start arbitration, or does that even apply to arbitration? So it depends on the value of, of the transaction. Okay. Now, uh, what you have just described may be as simple as it sounds, but the value of it, so say, for example, you're an event planner for yeah. Hairs Holdings. And you're planning Hairs Holdings, maybe event for the year. Mm. Now, it's usually a big, a big transaction. Yeah. And so, if it's a transaction that runs into hundreds of millions, even though it's uh, a company event planner transaction, you can go to arbitration on okay. that. Now, there are some transactions that are not worthy of going to arbitration. And an example of it, like I did say, landlord and tenancy cases. Yeah. Another example are small claims. So a claim of maybe less than a million naira. You have no business going to arbitration. And I tell you why. Do you just arrest the person? Well, <laughs> it might be a possibility. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm being very practical. practical yeah. And the reason, you know, some arbitrators are a bit shy, you know, from, from saying this. Mm. It is not all the cases that can go to arbitration. Again, because... There's some cost. So in, in arbitration, mm. there's the arbitrator's cost, there's the party's cost. Okay. And that cost is what facilitates court dispensation of justice. And that is why I often say that arbitration is for commercial disputes. Mm. So when a transaction is less than 500000 if you go to arbitration, and I'll list out some of the costs for you, you will pay the arbitrators. So, under our present laws, it's three arbitrators. Okay. If President Buhari signs the amendments to it, mm. we now have a sole arbitrator, which is one person. One. Okay. Under the Lagos laws, you have a, an option of a sole arbitrator. Okay. So, either way, you pay either one arbitrator or, or you three. pay three arbitrators. Mm. So, that's one. As counsel, if IDRM is engaged as counsel, you will pay me. Now, the venue of the arbitration, you will pay for. Now, good enough, we've now transited to ODR, online dispute resolution mechanisms okay. now. So, things are moving, you know, virtually. But mm. even at that, you will still need to pay for time. Okay. And then you pay for transcribers. All of these, can you really pay for all of these within... Uh, with 500,000. Yeah. It makes no sense. Mm. So, what you should do is to go and file an action either in court or submit it to the police mm. as a fraudulent transaction. All right. Even if you go to court today, you the courts are getting wiser that, look, there are many frivolous claims. And one of the things we're advocating is that there should be security for cost, which is what happens in England. Okay. And so once you file an action, once the court looks at it as a frivolous action, the court will ask you to go and pay a deposit of security. Mm. And that security sometimes can be the same value of what is being claimed. So if you really believe in this, your action, then, then you will have no problem keeping that money uh, in an interest-yielding account or non-interest-yielding account. account. Okay, and uh, this is what we'll do. The conversation on arbitration continues. I mean, we're supposed to focus a lot more on arbitration, but there are so many cases to address in Nigeria. Um, if you have to address, be responsible that. Not, to, not to touch on that. <laughs> not to touch on that exactly. So, and we can't keep you here for a whole day. So, we, we, we've set the uh, set the ball rolling. We're the first interview you had since you became the uh, chairman of arbitration committee. But let me just list these two things. One, good morning. So, how can we get Mister Tolu's number? This is to uh, be able to engage him when one wants to go into a contract agreement. That is one. Hi, Ulu Akadi. I invested in a company in Dubai. They breached the contract we signed and were refusing to return my investment because of a clause that says no refund. Well, but they clearly disregarded an important part of the agreement. We affected the dynamics of the investment. How can I go about tackling this issue? Can I approach an arbitrator in Dubai? So the first question is a yes. I'm looking for work. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, and, uh, and the second question, and even for the first person, not just that I'm looking for work, you can be an arbitrator yourself, you know, mm. can train you and do all that. Okay. Uh, the second question, uh, I don't think it's a... Uh, uh, it's a yes or no thing? No, no, no. I can even say you need to go back to the contract. Okay. So when a contract says there is no refund, mm. it's usually conditional. Mm. And the obligations on both sides. Okay. So there are certain things I ought to have done for me not to be able to get a refund. Get that, yeah. And there are things that you also ought to have done for you to be entitled. There's one we're currently dealing with from some investors from UK who invested in Nigeria. And mm. the man says, look, if you don't meet certain obligations, you will forfeit the entire land. Mm. But on a closer scrutiny of the contract, we realize that that cannot be the case. The worst that will happen is you do a refund of that money less a certain percentage as administrative. So it's not enough to just write a contract. You need to get a lawyer to dispute, look through the contract and look for clauses. Because every transaction has inherent risk. All right. And you need to understand those risks. And that is why, so you can draft it. I I mean, I have friends who draft contracts, but they're in trouble all the time. Mm. Because you don't understand the risk of those contracts. Sometimes they are buried in between lines, Mm. like this second gentleman. Right. So, um, if so, you're listening to us, yes. you know, it's something you can pass my number, number on to him. To him. Okay, I'm happy to uh, look at it for him and give a free preliminary advice. Like a free preliminary advice. You can only get that on Legal Stocks at 1.3 FM. If you had worked with Pechstone's guys, I'm sure I doubt you'll have been free initially. So, anyway, that's uh, that's more of a Christmas present to him. Free preliminary advice. And uh, once it goes beyond preliminary, <laughs> You know, just make sure you once you qualify for round of sixteen, you're on your own. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mister Adam. Thank you very for coming much through today, and Thank happy Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. Same to as you. Well. Um, it's time for us to go straight into signals. I wanted to ask you a question on the Asha Bwari case, but I won't do that, and because uh, I know that will lead us into another. Well, become an academic exercise, as I understand. <laughs> Because <laughs> I heard she's withdrawn the case. Yeah, she has. She has withdrawn the case. Let's leave Madam uh, First Lady for you now. You be. All right, then. This is Legal Stock. My name is Olua Kaide. Follow me on all major social media handles at I am I P O S U. Adam Yoshidi, good morning to you. To Nigerians, let them appreciate you. You want to stress me this morning? I'm not stressing you, we're just feeling love to you. Let me leave the studio before she gets so stressed. Signing out, see you at uh, 11.